0: Welcome back to Redbird Report, as always. I am your host, Scott Prirost, and with me I have my sports editor, Reed Watkins. Uh, Reed, we had a big week behind us and maybe an even uh, bigger week ahead of us.
1: Definitely basketball season in full swing and some other sports in there, too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, We want to start off talking about the basketball team. Specifically, we'll start with the men's basketball team uh, bouncing back in a big way. They started that uh, Thanksgiving MTE um, with a good win, um, and then they they kind of fell apart there against High Point and then Wright State, and there wasn't a lot of great uh, dialogue around the team in terms of what you would see maybe on social media. And then they come into Valley Play, start off rough against UIC, just struggling to find the bottom of the hoop. And then the second half, really strong. They end up winning against the Flames. They come home, and I would say for the first 35, 36 minutes, they were the better team. Then the, last three and a half, the next three and a half minutes, Murray State really made a run. Um, ISU made some uncharacteristic mistakes compared to what they had done the rest of the game. Rob Perry uh, woke up a little bit, and then see was able to hold on. Um, Darius Burford, a big shot. Uh, Kasupke bounces back after missing, what was it, four free throws against UIC. Right. Mm-hmm. Goes four for four against uh, Murray State. Dalton Banks clinches it with two free throws of his own. So I would say for probably about 36 minutes total of that game, the Redbirds were the better team, and then there was that little stretch where Murray State made a run but that's a good win. Starting conference play 2-0 and against a very solid UIC team. Much improved. They have some good wins this year. And then Murray State coming off of a win at home against Bradley. Um, I, the Redbirds, that's the type of team that you want to see play. Um, the guards were really efficient. Uh, Kendall Lewis's offense was really nice. Miles Foster kind of taking over in the middle a little bit. This is the team we expected them to be. You'll have that three-point shooting, but their attacking ability is uh, is going to be some of the best in the valley, I think.
1: Yeah, I was really impressed with, um, like you mentioned, the ability to get to the rim, um, especially from the guards, and then back to the basket. Play has been so much improved from last year. It's been nice to see, um, just from the flow perspective. You know, covering the team, you watch them a lot. It's nice to see a an offense have those consistent options in the post and look a little more efficient, a little more put together. I've been really impressed with the on-ball defense they've had this year. Yes. They've been able to shut down some, some really talented guards, especially. Uh, not to say anything about their post defense really, but the the defense on perimeter players has been really impressive. And coming off the bench, Luke Kasubke has done such a impressive job yes. really shutting down team's number one offensive weapons. Along with Kendall Lewis, they switch most of their ball switch. Oh, my goodness! Screens and dribble handoffs, and that means a lot of guys are going to have to be able to move their feet and really play well on their perimeter. So, I've been impressed with how they do that. I think keeping certain people close to the basket is the key. Um, and really maintaining that defensive presence in the paint is going to be crucial for this defense to maybe even take another step. But, yeah, I've been impressed with the defense on – I mean, Rob Perry from Murray State is an impressive scorer. Um, Isaiah Rivera had a very good first half um, for that UIC team. They were able to shut him down a little bit down the stretch and make him go quiet with the help of some you know missed free throws and layups on his end. But I think ISU is able to key in on – team's best scores and to really make you beat them with another option. I mean
0: I, Quincy Anderson Quincy, Anderson, Quincy Anderson. Anderson was
1: the guy off the bench from Murray State who dropped 27 and I think in the Valley you just have to be okay with that. Yeah. Just say if you're going to beat us, beat us with your sixth man um, who has a hot night shooting and um, that happened and they still were able to pull out the victory. So yeah, this defensive effort coordinated by Rob Judson um, the assistant coach has been very impressive to me to start the year.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's just, I would say outside of maybe, in terms of players who are getting rotational mids consistently, the only player you maybe don't want on like a really good ball handler at this point is maybe Brandon Lee, but even his length gives him enough... To maybe recover if he does get Beat off the dribble and that's what's so scary About this team and usually Brandon Lee is not Guarding somebody on the perimeter but he has been able to Miles um, Foster is a very Good athlete so he's able to recover um, I think it was Lords right where he uh, They put him on Lords best player and He really shut him down honestly compared to what he had been doing all year mm. um, So Just consistently from one through five, they have really good defenders, Um, and then it's the newcomers and the returners stepping up. Like I said, Kendall Lewis had probably his best game of the season in terms of offense, Um, and then defensively, they held Rob Perry. I would say his numbers were a little skewed by the fact that for the first 35 minutes when the Redbirds were the better team, Rob Perry, I think, had four points, and then he hit a wide-open three-pointer, kind of like a scramble drill, and then his other one was a crazy – and one Mm -hmm. um, on the foul Mm -hmm. um, uh, with, like, 30 seconds left to cut the lead. But for the most part, they were consistent defensively, and I had talked about it before the game. I'm fully confident in this team's defense. I have no doubt that they're going to bring their best effort every game. Ryan Peten makes sure of that. It's their offense that's going to bring question marks, and I think they answered that in that game you don't need to be shooting the three-pointers. They have the ability to too, with guys like Malachi Poindexter. Um, Johnny Kinsey has been awesome this year. Luke Kasupke knocked down some big shots. But the bigger thing is the attacking ability. Um, Darius Burford um, is one of the most athletic players on the field or on the court every single game, um, no matter who they're playing. So he's able to beat you off the dribble. Miles Foster... Pieden talked about it, a back-to-the-basket kind of big, which they didn't have last year. Um, Kendall Lewis is not a back-to-the-basket big. Every once in a while, he might be able to, but he's going to spread the floor a little bit. We saw that with his two three-pointers. Um, and then Brandon Lieb is starting to kind of come into that role as well. So the versatility offensively is something that we didn't see last year. Um, I think even last year, their defense was pretty solid for the mm-hmm. most part, and I think that's what one of Peden's biggest things coming in was. Um, but now offensively, how consistent can you be? Can you continue to do... An 18 to 10 assist to turnover ratio like they had against the racers. Um, can you continue to attack and win the game down low? And I, I think this team is capable of it. Um, obviously, it's very early in conference play. They still have a few more non conference games here. Um, two this week, uh, tonight against Northern Kentucky, and then Sunday against Norfolk State, if that's correct. I, I always get them mixed up which one was which this week, but. Uh, Saturday. There's Saturday against uh, Return to Horton. Norfolk State, yeah. Um, no, that's the return to Horton game. Um, but no, I just think this team is. It's, they've had their highs and they've had their lows, but I think when this team is playing its best brand of basketball, they're going to be a hard team to knock off in the Valley. I think whether you're on, in Sefke Arena, which Pete and things can be a, a very difficult environment for opposing teams, or whether they're traveling to opposing uh, teams, I think they have the type of roster that can give a lot of teams trouble.
1: Yeah, I think that part of the taking the next step is their three-point shooting. Yes. I think... We've seen a decent effort from the team as a whole, but nothing that's breakthrough. Right. I think leading that category is Luke Kasupke, who's 11 of 24 right now from deep. That's 45%, and he's had some throwaway games mixed in there where he didn't shoot the ball that well. I think Luke Kasupke as your 3-and-D guy is just going to be huge, um, whether that remains coming off the bench or if he breaks into the starting lineup. But he's been huge, and I think you're going to start to see other guys really step up in that area and um the team's going to find some more consistency as a group malachi poindexter supposedly like one of the best shooters on the team over the summer or just like period the best shooter on the team over the summer it hasn't translated that much to games yet he hits tough shots right he hits tough shots um especially from on the pull-up, but I think his three-point shooting and his catch-and-shoot ability is yet to be seen, but we know it's there. So as the season goes on, I think you're going to see, um, I mean, 45% for Lucas Hoopie is going to be hard to sustain, but if he can continue shooting, you know, 40 to maybe up to 45% like that, it'll be really impressive, and then you start to get other guys involved. Um, You know, I didn't think it would be Kendall Lewis, but he went two for two on... Uh, Sunday, So, I don't know. Um, it'll be impressive to see if they can get some guys to come together and really knock it down from three-point range. Maybe that's um, Dalton Banks and Johnny Kinziger at the point guard spot. They've been pretty um, confident shooting the ball as well. The other thing is this team is ha- has six guys averaging seven points or more, but their leading scorer – Dalton Banks has 11.1 points per game. That's
0: what's so scary about it. Right.
1: So there's a lot of different ways they can step up um, and different guys they can lean on and I'm curious to see how that evolves throughout the season Um, because right now it's Dalton Banks, 11.1 points per game Darius Burford with 11 even so they're right up there leading the pack Um, but I think there's guys who we haven't seen score the ball very well yet that we're going to see score the ball. And I want to point out Ty Pence. I believe he's 1-for-15. Yeah,
0: he. I didn't realize it when it first happened. I don't know how I did it, but that was his first collegiate field goal when he made a Man. pretty tough layup against yeah. um, Murray State on Sunday.
1: Yeah, so Ty Pence, started the season, 1-for-15 shooting. I did a feature story on him over the summer, compared him to Osiris Eldridge, because they are the two top-rated recruits in program history. And I looked back at that article thinking about it today. Osiris talked about having a slow start. He started one for 22 from the field. So <laughs> Pence is not even uh, that far so out of the way of yet. He has so much of a career ahead of right. him. Right. Like um, he's
0: eight games in. He's got probably another 100 and, what, 10, 15 games left in him. Like yeah. he got a lot of time to settle in. But yeah. they haven't needed him yet, which is nice. Obviously, you want to see him come into his own. But you had a guy like Johnny Kinziger. We knew Johnny Kinziger was good, but we thought maybe Ty Pence was the guy, like the the highlight of the class, and he still very easily could be. But Johnny Kinziger does not look like a freshman. If you no. watched him play, he looks like he's been playing college basketball for a few years. He He's consistently running the offense efficiently. He makes some tough shots. And then considering how small he is, he makes some crazy plays hustle-wise. He mm-hmm. had a couple offensive rebounds this year that I'm like – how did Johnny Kinziger end up with that ball? Mm-hmm. Um he's he's on the floor for it a lot. Um the team loves him and then him and Dalton Banks at that point guard position where they're on the floor at the same time, where one of them has to be on the floor at all times, it feels like. Both of them are playing at extremely high levels and it's the position that they lacked most last year, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's impressive it feels like the game is slower for Johnny Kinziger. Yes. Um, so I'm impressed to, I'll be excited to see how that kinda goes on throughout his career and what he's capable of, you know, starting so fast. Um, the other guys, Jordan Davis, um, he has put up back-to-back games without playing. Um, I think he's another guy just like Pence, which, Like you can't write him off yet because he, we know he's talented. He's done, you know, very impressive things at the uh, Big Ten in the Big Ten, playing for Wisconsin. And I think it's just a matter of time, so he can find his footing and become um, another consistent option. I talked about three point shooting. Jordan Davis has one of the best looking jump shots in the gym. Uh, yeah, I think if he could become a catch and shoot guy, um, there's a lot of different ways he can impact the game. But maybe that's what gets him, you know, some minutes and to really contribute um, on the court. Otherwise, I I just think. It's too soon to write anyone off um, and you don't want to overreact to what we've seen so far only about a quarter of their way through the season but um, there's a lot to be excited about and some storylines to follow in terms of how people can sustain their early success or overcome you know having a slow start
0: Yeah definitely um, like we were talking about Northern Kentucky tonight 7 p.m. at SefQ Arena um, and then uh, Saturday 6 p.m. at Horton Fieldhouse the return to Horton part 2. Um, they host Norfolk State. I'm a little stretchier of home games. Uh, this is They've played one of, I believe it's five straight mm-hmm. home games before they travel to Kentucky um, to close out non-conference play. But, no, this team has um, just got to find a little bit more consistency, see what they can do here to close out non-conference play. Um, but we'll keep you updated on all that action going ahead. Um, we'll shift over to the women's basketball team coming off of an 18 point loss um, to uh, NC State the number five team in the country um, according to the AP poll obviously if you look at different polls you're gonna get different results but um, number five team in the AP poll number t- nine team in the women's basketball net ranking um, I'm gonna be honest with you and I've said this over and over again Reed I don't think you can be un- like upset about that performance obviously mm-hmm. maybe you'd want to see a couple, more players score the ball um you'd like to see deanna wilson avoid that foul trouble i think that was the problem a lot last year um but 18 points to the number five team in the entire nation you can't be upset you were you were pretty competitive early but they just they're going to be faster they're going to be bigger than you um you're in their arena um it's a tough environment but i am extremely impressed with what they were able to bring to the court um obviously a few days before that they had beat Chicago state 102 to 47 there on November 30th. Um, so this team, I, I'm pretty excited. I don't know that I thought their offense was going to be what it's been this year. Um, outside of that NC state game 61 and they had 62 against St. Mary's. Um, they had scored like 80 in just about every other game. Um, the green Bay game, what we've talked about, we think is a fluke with no Deanna Wilson. Granted green Bay is a very good team. Um, but no, I've been really impressed. I don't know about you, Reed. I think this team has uh, kind of blown me away a little bit. Um, they're a lot more balanced. Uh, you're going to get different people um, popping off each night. Uh, in that game against Chicago State, seven Redbirds um, in double figures. Um, this is an exciting team. Um, we I tweeted uh, Monday morning about the net ranking. Um, the Redbirds are currently number 75 or 72. I'm, I apologize in the net ranking. That's the highest in the Valley. Five spots, five spots ahead of Belmont. Uh, 21 spots ahead of Drake, the only other two teams in the top 100. So we need, we wanted to see them uh, create a little bit tougher of a schedule, and they've done that, and they continue to do that with another big game coming up Sunday.
1: Yeah, I think they went into that uh, game saying, you know, the best way to keep on pace with a team as good as NC State is shooting the ball, um, shooting the ball from deep especially. And I think you— Saw them you know, stick around a little bit because of that. They were able to hit threes. They went 5-9 in the first quarter, but then it falls down to 1-6 in the second um, and kind of evens out throughout the rest of the game. So I think just shooting the ball was the key to that game for them, and it is hard to sustain for that long. Um, but Caroline Lee, obviously an impressive uh, 23 points against the number 5 team in the country, so... I don't think we're gonna see Kate Bowman take six threes in a game again. Maybe I don't know, but maybe, you um, will. maybe I'm not sure. I was pretty surprised by that number, um, and obviously those don't fall, and it kind of like makes it tough to stick around with a team that is so efficient on their side of the basket. So it was a good test, and I, there's just there's not really a loss to be had when you're losing to the number five team in the country. It's such a special moment for Coach Gillespie. I don't think you can be too upset about it. Um, obviously, that loses a little bit of that momentum you had against some of the teams. Like, but a win over Chicago State doesn't necessarily do as much for you as a loss against NC State. Yeah. You know, so I don't think you can be upset. That team hasn't lost this year; they're nine and zero. I just think it was a good experience for this team. Um, both in in terms of the Importance for the program and everything it meant to Coach Gillespie, like she talked about, and then um, just the experience of playing such strong competition. You're not going to see a team like that in the Missouri Valley. Unfortunately for them, kind of, you are going to see another team sort of like that um, against Marquette coming up on Sunday. I think they have a chance to really compete in that game. Yeah. Um, Being on their home court, and, um, you know, they just had that test. I don't think they're sulking over that. I think their heads are held high and they're ready to bounce back and see what they can do with another uh, ranked team on Sunday.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, Marquette's not quite on the level of NC State, but a very talented team nonetheless. The number 19 team in the country, I believe it is, in the AP poll right now. Um, They're a little bit more balanced, I would say, offensively. They've got four players in double figures right now. Uh, Mackenzie Hare leading the charge with 16.5. Jordan King over 15 as well. Uh, And then Liza Carlin also over 15 there. So really balanced offense, but a really strong defense as well, holding opponents to just 55.8 points per game compared to their own 83.1. A very tough team, like we mentioned, but here's the deal. You went into Raleigh to play NC State, and you lost by 18 to the number 5 team in the country. Now you get the chance to host the number 19 team in the country um I have to double check what they are in the uh the a people but um regardless like this or in the net I apologize um they're coming in at 21 in the net regardless you get the chance to host that like you get a team of that caliber on your home court I think the biggest thing and one of the more important things for this team is the support that they need to have in the game um, I'm curious to see what we're going to get there because less than 24 hours before that, they tip off the return to Horton game. Um, That's a 6 p.m. game Saturday. And the Redbirds host Marquette at 2 p.m. Sunday. So I'm curious to see what kind of crowd they get. And I think they deserve the crowd. I mean, when you have a team of this caliber coming in against a team like the Redbirds who are playing the best basketball they've played in a long time, um, that team last year was very good. The team two years ago, also very good. They made the NCAA tournament. But Gillespie talked about it. This team might be even better. This team might be a little different just because of its ability to guard and spread the ball offensively. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a one man show in the past, but you knew Paige Robinson was the player to stop. You knew two years ago, Juju Redmond was the player to stop. Now you think it's Deanna Wilson, but you stop Deanna Wilson. You have Caroline Waite knocking down shots. You stop her. You have Abby Alzma starting to figure it out a little bit. Maya Wong can shoot and attack. Like Everyone on this team can score. And I- I just think this team is so scary for that reason. That's why I think Marquette's going to have their hands full. I think the Redbirds are going to give them a fight from start to finish, like you said.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see how they um, you know, just go into this game and what Deanna Wilson is able to do because it seems like when you go against these Power 5 schools, the thing is they just have so many bigger bodies that it's hard to stop with just one person. Um, so Deanna Wilson staying in foul trouble and maybe some – other forwards stepping up to play bigger.
0: Savannah McGowan right. um, has looked solid this year considering a freshman center forward playing as many minutes as she is. Um, you don't often see that. I mean, she's performing at a really high level, and it's something the Redbirds haven't had in two, three years, um, That the, the depth there at the forward position, I would say.
1: Yeah, I think she has shown a lot of promise. I think she's going to be able to really slide in and take Deanna's spot after this season. But um, for now, it's like who is going to step up and you know be that defensive presence on the other end and um, guard other teams' really dominant forces? And I think she has a chance to do that. It's just defense is typically the thing that comes a little slower and when you get to college basketball, and it'll take some adjustment. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see how they match up against Marquette. And like you said, I mean, that, that home court advantage has to be an advantage for them. Um, for them to stay in this game because it's tough to compete against a team that good and um, a huge crowd behind them would really make a big difference in that game.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure Gillespie is kind of echoing the same uh, sentiments, but I just think uh, we talked about the foul trouble. I think the thing to look out for, uh, Liza Carlin averaging 15 a game for them. Um and then seven rebounds. She's probably their star forward. Um, how can Deanna Wilson or Kate Wilm, whichever one you want to guard them, how can they match up without getting into the foul trouble we talked about? Uh, Liza Carlin is a 6'2 forward. Um, I believe Deanna Wilson's right around that 6'3", uh, six six I think. Yeah, right around the 6'2", 6'3 market. They always put these uh, heights and, uh, <laughs> on the roster, and I always watch the games, and I'm like, somebody's lying about <laughs> Definitely taller. Somebody's definitely shorter than what they said here. But... Regardless, um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how um, Wilson and um, Kate Bowman match up with the forwards of Marquette. Um, it's a little bit different of a matchup, like I talked about, than NC State, but I think anything can happen. Um, you're right. playing on your home floor. You have this momentum that you had. You have the experience of playing NC State um, exactly a week earlier. You have a full week to prepare for a game like this. How can you bring out your best product uh, to put up as big of a fight as possible?
1: Yeah, I think Kate Bowman,
0: like you mentioned, is going to be huge. Um, Oh, just massive.
1: She's such a defensive presence, but it's like I was talking about, like guarding a true forward. She does a little bit of everything, so it's hard to kind of key her in and keep her in the low post when she can go out on the perimeter and affect the game um, all over the place and get like six blocks or something like that. So um, she'll be a big part of it, but I'm excited to see what. Deanna and Savannah McGowan are able to do um, against Marquette.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, We got, like I mentioned, uh, 2 p.m. Sunday is the whiteout game against Marquette, Um, and they have over a week off uh, during finals week before they travel to St. Louis, or St. Louis travels to Sefke Arena um, on December 19th um, for a Tuesday night matchup with the Billikens there. Um, And then that's the last game uh, before conference play, actually. So uh, follow along for all those updates as well. Um, we have one last recap we want to talk about. The ISU track and field began their uh, indoor season um, this past weekend at the John Coughlin Invitational. Um, a really strong showing. I believe it was 15 event wins, correct? Right. Um, and then three athletes of the week along yeah. the way. Um, what a start. I mean, we knew coming into the year, I believe, the women were picked to win, men picked f- second. Is that what it was, or vice versa?
1: Um, women picked one. win. Men might have been... Oh, second or third.
0: I, I always get it mixed up because they're always both finishing near the top there in terms of the preseason poll and the finishing. But no, I mean I don't know that you can ask for a much better start from them.
1: Right. I was really impressed, and uh, I was at a lot of that meet. Um, and I mean, there's just so many great athletes at this school, and track and field just tends to be ones that get less shine. And, and they like, they
0: don't they don't deserve they deserve as much shine as anyone yeah. else with what they are doing. And we saw it last year with how many athletes were over there at the regional and the mm-hmm. national level for the uh, NCAA tournament. Yeah,
1: so, and the thing is a lot of those athletes um, transferred, went power five, so yeah, I think this team's going to be able to bounce back from some key losses over the season and really be a threat on both sides of the Missouri Valley Conference, men's and women's, so um, yeah, it's it's tough It's because you have the two seasons, indoor and outdoor, you coach uh jeff bovey told me you're you're training to peak in the outdoor season right um so everything you can do leading up to that um in terms of actually winning and competing in these meets is just um a good sign and a sign of hopefully more things to come and that's exactly what they got out of this opening meet the john caglin invite at horton Fieldhouse. um they have things across like across the board there's a lot of impressive showings um both track and field on both sides of it. So, um, Brazel ran, a really exciting, um, finish to the meet with a win in the four by 400. And then, um, he got a runner or track athlete of the week with that and his win in the 600 meter. And then Ariel Atias won the heptathlon got men's field athlete of the week. And Windsor Robert won the pole vault, helped sweep the pole vault with Charles Cruz. Um, which Coach Bovey pointed out was interesting because they don't have a pole vault coach right now. So really just um, overcoming the odds in pole vault and dominated that meet um, against some Missouri Valley competition uh, among uh, St. Louis and SEMO. So I was uh, impressed with the Redbirds. And like I said, there's just a lot of great athletes. Um, obviously, in terms of general athletic ability, you're going to see it in track and field. Um
0: and they don't uh, let up at all. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a really strong start for them, and they're actually done for the year 2023 now. Uh, they don't start again until the Cognon-Malloy Cup in Terry Haw, Indiana, January 12th. Um, they'll hit the road, and then they kind of go weekly after that. Um, but for the most part, all that's left in the year 2023 is men's-women's basketball. Um, I believe there is four men's basketball games and three women's basketball games remaining. Um all but one of those are at home. Uh, the only road game is men's basketball at Kentucky on the 29th. Every other game is at CFQ Arena. Um, so you guys have a lot of chances to go out and see what the type of product that they're putting on the court at the moment. Um, but I think that's it for me. Anything else in you, read? That's all I got. All right. Well, uh, make sure to follow along for live uh, updates of all the action on our Twitter accounts at the underscore uh, vidette and at the or at vidy underscore sports. And uh, we'll talk to you guys again later.